we are midway through a small topical sermon series on the dynamics of cooperating with the Holy Spirit. And it occurred to me this morning that I'd never said anything about this word dynamics. And why do we use that? Why don't we say seven steps to cooperating with the Holy Spirit so that we could sound like a cheesy book title? We say dynamics because dynamics evokes something that is fluid, that's alive, that's active, that has movement, because we're dealing with or working with a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's a person who loves. God's, the Roman says, pours out the love of the Spirit into our hearts. The Holy Spirit is a person who grieves and whom we can grieve. We can make sad by our speech or our action or our inaction. The Holy Spirit has a will. He directs. Paul made that really clear. So we who have come to faith in Jesus Christ have received the Spirit of God. He's put His Spirit within us. And we are in dynamic relationship with God. God wants to show the world His love and His life through us. And so we are saying to ourselves, we watched the life of Jesus and how God showed the world what he was like through Jesus in the book of Luke. And we watched the church in the book of Acts embody and then begin to proclaim and to advance God's kingdom. And now we're saying to ourselves, let's go a little bit deeper. How does this work or what does this look like in our lives that we embody and we proclaim and we advance God's kingdom? by the power and the strength of the Holy Spirit who's joined himself to us. And so we said that the first dynamic of working with God is love. That God's love captures us, compels us, fills us, heals us, renews us, and moves us out into the world that is dirty, that is dark, that is not a place we would naturally want to go, moves us into relationships we wouldn't normally want to go into. But God fills us with his compassion. He motivates us with love. And love sends us to places of need. And so the second dynamic of working with the Holy Spirit is intercessory prayer. Because we realize really quickly, we don't have what people need. God does. We need God to show up. We need him to speak. We need him to touch. We need him to open hearts. We need him to heal. And so we become people that are just working with the Holy Spirit. We become people that are just regularly asking, asking and inviting God to be present and to work. And then we said last week that as we ask, what does the Bible say? You receive. And so that as we ask the Holy Spirit to work in and through our lives, God starts to move and his movement requires our participation because he works on earth through us. And so we've got then to take these steps of faith that are clothed with obedience because often God calls us to do something or say something or go somewhere. And so there's this step of faith that's required. And even in saying God calls us, our fourth dynamic is implicit. And that is God's guiding. We are hearing from him and discerning his voice. 
So that's our fifth dynamic we'll talk about next week. Discernment. Spiritual discernment makes listening to God and following him safe. We don't ever practice receiving guidance without discernment. But we're going to talk about discernment next week. This morning we're going to talk about hearing from God. Receiving guidance for cooperating with the Holy Spirit. So we've been looking at one scripture passage for all of these dynamics. And we'll begin with it again this morning. It's the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead in John chapter 11. And again, I'll read verses 1 to 6 and 38 to 44. What page is it, Vic? 1669. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to the Lord, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Then he calls his disciples to go after two days. They argue a little bit. They don't want to get killed. They end up going anyways. He's met by the sisters and interacts with both Mary and Martha, who are grief-stricken. And then they lead him to where Lazarus lays in the tomb. And Luke record, or John records, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he's been there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes and let him go. God's word. I've got a lot of favorite pictures of me and my children. And it would be hard for me to say which one was my favorite, favorite, favorite of my pictures. But one of the 
types of pictures that's my favorite is one that Rachel gave me. Where's Rachel? She's in nursery? Oh, children's worship. Okay, well, Rachel gave me a picture for Father's Day. And it was a picture of her and I walking down the road. And um, Sarah, will you just come model this with me? Walking down the road, hand in hand, um, and the picture was taken from behind. And why I love this picture, thank you, Sarah. Why I love that picture is because every time I see a picture of me and my children holding hands, I'm reminded of the Lord and the way he that is a, he's a father to us. And I'm reminded of this scripture in Psalm 72, 23. The psalmist writes, Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you'll take me into glory. I'm always with you. You hold me by my right hand. It's a picture of intimacy. It's a picture of connectedness. It's a picture of a younger one with a father that's being held and led along and guided. He says, you guide me. He says, you always guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you'll take me into glory. When we read the Old Testament, cover to cover, it shows us a picture of a God and a father who just loves, loves to guide his children. I think about the illustration that I shared last week about why, or maybe it's two weeks ago, but why it's sometimes difficult for us to move toward intercessory prayer. And that was because we're kind of born into independence. We talked about little children that say, do by self, do by self. Well, I was thinking about that story again this week, and I thought the other side of that picture is the parent that is observing the child saying, do by self. And while there may be a little bit of a chuckle at first in the parent's heart, actually, over time, the parent longs to help, longs to be involved, longs to give guidance, to show the way. And that doesn't go away when the children grow up to be 6 and 10 and 18 and 30. Actually, adult parents of adult children still long to give the wisdom that they have, the care and the compassion. They long to guide. Because it's in the heart of a parent to want to guide. And where do we get this from? But from God the Father who loves and longs to guide. Listen to listen just a few scriptures from the Old Testament. Psalm 23, the psalmist writes, He guides me in right paths for His namesake. Proverbs 3, 6, In all your ways acknowledge the Lord and He will direct or guide your paths. Isaiah 30, Whether you turn to the left or to the right, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way. Walk in it. Psalm 32, 8, I'll instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you. I'll advise you and watch over you. Isaiah 58, the Lord will guide you always. He'll satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land or a, a desert place. In other words, you could be in a desert. You can be in a place where there's seemingly nothing that's got life in it. And it, and, this, and, and it says, the Lord will guide you always. 
you'll be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. He will call upon my name and I will answer him. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. Or God upset because he says, don't turn to the mediums or the spiritists. In other words, don't turn to sources outside of me who are looking to the spirit realm for guidance. For you'll be defiled by them. I'm the Lord, your God. Turn to me. I'll guide you. And so we see God guiding and wanting to guide all the way through the Old Testament, guiding his people out of Israel and into Egypt, guiding them constantly by prophets and much of the time having to guide them because they're not listening. We see David in First and Second Samuel, between the end of First Samuel and the end of Second Samuel, nine separate times it records, and David inquired of the Lord, and the Lord answered him. David asked the Lord, should I go into battle? And the Lord answered. David said, will I win the battle? And the Lord answered. David said, will the citizens of Kilah hand me over to Saul? Yes, they will, the Lord answered. David asked the Lord, should I go up to the cities of Judah after Saul and Jonathan had died? Should I go up? The Lord answered him. David asked the Lord, why is there famine in the land these three years? And the Lord answered him and said, there's famine because of the sins against Saul's son. David regularly inquired of the Lord and received guidance from him. But like I said a minute ago, while the Old Testament shows God's um, constant desire to guide, it's really, you could also say at the same time, beginning to end, a picture of human independence, human closed ears, human insensitivity, human wandering away from the God who loves to be near and to hold the hand of and to give guidance. And so we really don't have a picture in the Old Testament of faithful human connectedness and listening to and being guided by God. And then we arrive at the New Testament. And here's Jesus. And I want to remind us, this is a really important scripture, I believe, uh, for the all of the Christian life. Romans 8.29 says, Those God foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son. In other words, if you're a Christian, what God's doing in your life is growing you up to be and to become like Jesus Christ in all things. And so this is what we see in Jesus. When we look back at this text in John, we can see that Jesus is working with an agenda. Jesus is working with guidance that wouldn't really make sense to his disciples. It wouldn't really make sense to anybody if it weren't from God. It says, 
Lord, the, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. How does he know that? They're days away. How does Jesus know this sickness isn't going to end in death? You remember, Philippians tells us, he's given up his divine attributes. He's ministering in the power of the Holy Spirit. He's receiving guidance from God. This is an example of a word of knowledge. Jesus has received knowledge from the Holy Spirit about what is about to take place. And so he's able to say, it won't end in death. But actually, it's for God's glory. Then it says, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed there two more days. It's like Jesus is working with a sense of timing that isn't the timing that we would work with if we heard that somebody was sick and we had something the ability to do something about it. But Jesus, who tells us in John, I only do what I see my Father doing, is apparently seeing his Father not moving him yet back to Bethany. The guidance is not go at once. You've heard he's sick. Go. The guidance is stay. And we talked last week about how that guidance would require faith. When you flip ahead to the scene where Jesus is at the front of the grave... Now, now you hear Jesus not receiving, but giving the guidance that he's received. And so the guidance is take away the stone. Now Martha is engaged and the, the crowd is engaged. They've received guidance from the Lord and they need to cooperate with it in order for the Holy Spirit to keep working in this circumstance. They do. And then Jesus says again, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I say this for the benefit of those present. What's he talking about? You heard me. He's been in the place of prayer. He's been in conversation with God the Father. He's talked this through with God before this scene. I know that you heard me, past tense. Jesus models for us ministry and life under the guidance of God the Father by the person of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus promises us, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm not going to leave you fatherless. He's been like a father to the disciples. You're going to have the same type of fathering. You're going to receive the same type of guidance. And so he says to his disciples, I'm going to give you the promised Holy Spirit and he's going to guide you into all truth. He's going to tell you what's to come. He's going to take from what's mine and make it yours. He's going to give you what to say in any given moment. You will be guided in the same way that I'm guided. You will receive guidance from God the way that I have. You'll grow up to become like me. In other words, when Jesus says this, when he tells us that the Holy Spirit is going to continue to speak and to guide the children of God, 
we need to be really clear that he's not talking about giving new doctrine or new teaching. It's not at all what he means. That the gospel has been given, the canon of scripture is closed, the teaching of the church is sure, but we need to know how it plays out. We need guidance for the application of the commands of scripture. Right? So when we went through Paul, I'll just uh, retell us briefly. There's this beautiful example in, in Acts where Paul gets arrested on the road to Damascus by the Lord Jesus. And Jesus says, commissions him and he says, this man is going to take my name to the Gentiles. Well, which ones? Where? When? There is an entire world of Gentiles. Where is Paul going? When is he going? With whom is he going? So he's got a gospel. He's got a mandate. He's got a commission. Does he just start going anywhere? Well, that's not the Jesus pattern. The Jesus pattern is led by the Spirit. And perhaps Paul knows or knew well enough to know that he wasn't ready. That he needed to undergo character transformation. That he needed to learn of Jesus. That he needed to learn the culture of the kingdom of God. That he needed to learn to minister like the people who led him, uh, baptized him after he was led to faith. We don't know what transpires in that in-between in time, but Acts records four chapters later that 13 years later, 13 years after he's received his commission, the church leaders are praying and fasting together, and the Holy Spirit says, set apart for me Paul and Barnabas for the work that I've called them to. And they laid hands on them, and they prayed and they commissioned them, and they sent them off. And then Acts 16 records, three years later, on their second missionary journey, here they are, pressing toward Asia, and very interestingly, Luke records, the Spirit of Jesus kept us from entering Asia. The Holy Spirit prevented us from entering Bithynia, I think it was. There was this clear sense that as they had, they'd been launched or sent out by God, that even as they're on their way, God is guiding them by closing doors. And that it's not just a random closed door, it's the guidance of the Spirit of Jesus. No, no, and they're waiting upon the Lord. Lord, you've sent us out. Where are we going? What is next? And it's this vision in the night that Paul has of a man from Macedonia saying, come help us. He wakes up and he shares it with the team and the team discerns together or concludes God's calling us to Macedonia. And so they travel some more miles and they get on a boat and they cross the Aegean Sea and they land at Philippi and they go down by the river and we see the church in Rome or in, in uh, Roman territory in the Western world is planted because they didn't take it upon themselves to say, well, God sent us and we don't kind of know where we're doing, so we're just going to go here. This, let's just go here. 
But they waited upon the Lord. The fruit of waiting upon the Lord cannot be overestimated. And so we need to, um, we need, we need to nurture the dynamic of listening for God's guidance. And when I say listening, I don't just mean in prayer, although it large, it includes prayer. Uh, there's a quote from Dallas Willard is a philosopher theologian that wrote a book called Hearing God. It's, it's tremendously helpful, um, book on the topic. And he, he shared in that book that this is how hearing from God often goes for him. And I've found this really helpful for myself, really applicable. He said, I'll often bring my concerns or my questions or my need for guidance to the Lord and I'll sort of talk it through in his presence. I'll, I'll bring it to him. I'll wait upon him. I'll ask him about what scripture has to say about it and I'll, I'll present it before the Lord. And much of the time, I won't hear an immediate answer. Much of the time, I'll conclude my prayer and I'll make my way into the day and maybe I'll be gardening or doing an errand and all of a sudden something will slip in. An idea will come. An answer will be deposited into my spirit. But I'm ready for these moments because I'm asking. And because I'm asking with faith, and believing that God's going to answer. So I want to give an, an illustration of this. A um, year and three months ago or so, I was down in North Carolina for a, a summit where 10 or 12 of us um, leaders from Canada, the United States, and um, Britain were gathered together to ask the Lord, Lord, what are you doing with this growing the church in the power of the Holy Spirit book and approach to ministry, and, and what are you wanting to do? And um, we really believed that the Lord wanted to speak to us because he, we were seeing him work and move with this approach in, a, in a, an increased, much increased way. So we pray. We, expect, we, we wait upon the Lord. Lord, speak to us. Well, first night we go to sleep. Second night I wake up in the morning and I hear, I wake up and this, the lyrics of this song are in my mind, Even So Come. You know, the song we regularly sing, Like a Bride waiting for her groom will be a church ready for you. And um, I don't often, I hardly ever would, almost never wake up with song lyrics in my mind. And so to wake up that morning was really notable for me. And I said, Lord, are you trying to speak to me and to us through these song lyrics? And I sensed that he was. And I had a team of people that were praying for me and for us as we were doing this prayer and discernment work. And so I sent an email to that team. And I said, this is what I woke up with this morning. And um, would you pray that the Lord would give us the guidance, make it more clear how he's calling us, what he's calling us to, to help prepare his church, his bride, to be ready for him. Well, I got an email maybe two hours later back from one of the people that was praying. And she said to me, you aren't going to believe this, but I opened your email and I began to read it. And as I got to the point 
where I read, because I copied the song lyrics, the first lyrics of that song, as I read the words, the song came on behind me on the radio at the exact same time, and the Spirit of God fell on me. I just began to worship the Lord. So then there was this guidance, this confirmation that, Lord, you're speaking. I mean, only God could arrange that kind of timing. And so I shared this with the group later on that, that maybe that right after lunch. And it actually led to the moment where we were able to then discern together what it is that the Lord was calling us to do and to birth. All of that came from or began with waking up with a set of song lyrics and paying attention to them. I, I wouldn't have done that five years, maybe seven, eight, nine years ago. There, there's a need as we, as we um, learn to pray and seek God's guidance to cultivate sensitivity to the Spirit, sensitivity to the different ways that God will speak to us So there's a quote in the book, Growing the Church in the Power of the Holy Spirit, that I find really helpful about God's guidance. And they say, guidance comes in a variety of ways. It's a complex interaction of human reason. I'll just read these and then explain them. Human reason, observed circumstances, commands of Scripture, and direct revelation from the Holy Spirit. I think... I speculate that we often tend to think of guidance from God as the last one, direct revelation from the Holy Spirit. But you think about this. Um, God's joined himself to us. He redeems all of us. He tells us to love him with all of our minds. It makes sense that he would use the faculties of just thinking and reasoning and observing. So when we go prayer walking and when we teach people to prayer walk, we say... Now look for evidence of darkness. Look for evidence of human sin and human blindness and human hurt and pain. And then say, Lord, how can I pray for your kingdom to come? Pray the opposite. This is... This is a way of receiving guidance from the Lord, a way of the Holy Spirit working. We position ourselves to notice things... And then ask the Lord to help us to pray the opposite. So a real easy example would be walking by the strip bar, kitty corner. And um, it's real easy then to begin to pray, Lord, would you rescue these women? Lord, would you lead them to know that they're created in your image? That they have value and worth. That they don't need to sell themselves. Would you lead them to freedom and out of captivity? Would you lead them to... And the list goes on and on. I would call praying in that way as we, as we observe with an eye on a situation and an ear to Scripture and the character of God a way in which we position ourselves to receive guidance from the Holy Spirit who's joined himself to us. Okay? So observed circumstances, you reason, commands of Scripture, and then direct revelation from the Spirit. And so let me give another example of um, God speaking 
This is direct revelation, but comes by way of uh, impression. How many of you would say, I'm going to ask you a question first, that our testimony time that we've opened up over the last, what, six, seven months has become really fruitful and um, edifying or encouraging? Yeah. Okay. That came by way of guidance from the Lord through the mouth of Tim Mulder. Who said, I can't even remember if it was during a family gathering or what it was, but you just said, could you, you took the mic and I can still picture it and you said, you pastors have an opportunity to share your God stories as you're teaching and preaching. Could we create an opportunity for the rest of the, the congregation to share our stories of how the Lord's working? And as you said that, it was like I had this strong pay attention. I get advice all the time and requests. People ask for things all the time. But this came with a pay attention. Pay attention. Like the Lord was saying, I would like a place for my people to be able to build each other up and strengthen each other's faith. And I would like a place where I will receive glory as you tell my stories. That's what, that's, so I shared it with Pastor Gina, and she said, I had the same reaction. And so we shared it with the elders. And yeah, bless you to, to, to create that space. And so then we created that space and that took that step of faith. You know, it is a step of faith. How will it go? Will there be anyone sharing? You know, the first few weeks, you might not, you might remember there was, a, we were a little hesitant. We were a little gun shy to, but now we've grown into using our voices to tell our stories to glorify the Lord. Well, that came by way of an impression, but there was prayer that preceded it. We were asking the Lord things, asking how he wanted to grow us, asking what he wanted to do that was different. And when you're asking, you position yourself to be ready to hear from the Lord. So I want to conclude this way. I want to give um, some tips for nurturing uh, the dynamic of being able to listen for guidance of the Holy Spirit so that we can cooperate with him. And I'm going to start by talking about a couple of things that block or quench hearing from God. First one is sin. When we've got an active pattern of sin in our life that we refuse to turn away from, we're telling God, I don't want to listen to you. And so then we don't have ears to hear. He who has ears to hear, he who has receives more. He who does not have, it's take, what he has is taken away from him. So here's a biblical example. Think about King David. Um, a man after God's own heart who gets an incredible amount of revelation from God at one point in his life gets so closed that he's not going to hear anything unless Nathan shows up at his door, knock knocking, telling a story and saying, you're the man, you committed adultery, you did this. You, you think it would be obvious to David that that had happened and that he'd stopped hearing from God, but it's not obvious because sin has a deceptive effect upon us. It shuts us down in a way that makes us to think we're still alive. So if there's active sin 
the first step is to turn away from it, to repent of it, to flee from it. And then we position ourselves in humility and the fear of the Lord. Reverence for God positions us to hear from him. However, fear of the Lord doesn't include uh, fear of a different sort. And so if you've got fear within your spirit, when you, when you begin asking God to speak, maybe uh, an example would be if you're one of our prayer ministers and you're praying for people as they come up and you're asking God to speak, if you've got fear, that'll shut you down. If, if, if fear has this effect on our spirit. It causes us to seize up. And when we are seized up, we're not free. And the river of the Spirit can't flow, right? Jesus said, out of your inner being will flow rivers of living water. There is a, there's literally, there's a flow of the Spirit of God. Fear shuts that down. So we've got to get to a place of faith. If I'm going to ask God to guide, I better believe he will guide. James says, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask and don't doubt. Because you doubts, it's like a wave tossed back and forth by the sea. You can't say, lead me or guide me, and then doubt that God's going to do it. You can't ask him to guide and be afraid that he won't guide, and you'll look dumb. You've got to come to a place of faith. This third one is really closely tied to it, and it's control. When we get afraid, we try to control things or circumstances. And so we, again, seize up, and we aren't yielded and open. We need to be yielded and open to be able to hear and receive from God. And that means um, not just in the moment, but in life in general. We've got to be yielded or submitted to God. So, that means my hands are off the reins. God, uh, you can say anything. You can give any guidance and I'll obey it. I remember Anna and Neil sharing the story of praying for a house. And Anna, they were in different places. And Neil, Neil wanted to wait. And Anna wanted to move more quickly to, to, toward purchasing a house. And they prayed and they listened to the Lord. And Anna heard, baby before house. She heard those words. And they weren't pregnant. And then, then she had the decision, will I yield to the Lord? Am I, will I be obedient? Right? God looks on our hearts and He waits for hearts that are yielded to Him and that will obey the guidance that comes, even if it doesn't make sense. So last week we talked about Noah, build a boat. Are you yielded? Abram, go. Are you yielded? Unbelief, kind of talked about that already, so I'll I'll not spend much time there, but Hebrews eleven six reminds us that those who um, who how's it go must believe that he re, that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So when we come to God asking for guidance, we've got to have faith, Lord. You're going to answer me. If so, if Lord, I have a child. And I don't know how to pray for that child. But you love that child. And I believe that. And you want to see them in your kingdom. And you want to see them fruitful in you. 
And so, Lord, I'm coming to you and I'm asking you, show me how to pray for that child. Show me what in your word do you want me to pray right now? We've got to come with an attitude of faith that God loves us and he loves people and he'll answer. Two more things that will block or quench hearing from God. Negative, critical self-talk. We uh, deal with this across all of life, but then in particular, as we get into this place of trying to ask the Lord for guidance. And it really will block the flow of hearing from God because you'll hear your own negative, critical self-talk, sometimes aided and abetted by the accuser of our souls. That's what Satan's called. But remember that hearing from God and taking steps of obedient faith upon his guidance is what bears all of the fruit in the kingdom of God. And so that this is the place where Satan will want to work, whether through our flesh or by other spirits, he will want to work to choke it out. And so we have got to, this is why the scripture tells us to to um, take all of your thoughts captive and make them obedient to Jesus Christ. So we have to train our minds, train our minds on God, you love me. God, I'm your son. I'm your daughter. God, thank you that your word says that you speak to us. Thank you that your sheep can hear your voice. Thank you that. And then a place of faith and we move into prayer. It's kind of tied to the last one and that's reasoning in your mind or trying to figure it out. So when we ask God questions or we ask him for guidance, um, then don't try to figure it out on our own. Don't try to make the answer happen. Don't try to... Um, and this is different from human reason that observes. This is trying to do the work with my own mind to figure something out for God. I don't know how to describe it other than to tell you that I can feel when I'm pushing to figure something out or when I'm pushing to get an answer. There's a striving in prayer that um, is not consistent with a, with faith and with waiting upon and hearing from God. There's a striving that is very consistent, that's like laboring an intercession for some something or somebody. That's different. There's a striving to get guidance that just doesn't work. And it takes us out of a place of faith. And so what we want to do is we want to position ourselves when we're, we're asking for or looking for God to guide us, and particularly in prayer, we want to position ourselves in a place of peace. So I want to... Um, let, let me start with give these encouragements. Um, when you go to prayer, quiet your heart and your mind. Ask the Lord even what questions you should ask Him. Listen. Listen longer. Notice how uncomfortable you are with silence. It's okay. We've got to grow. Listen longer. Stay in the peace of the Lord. It's our eternal inheritance. And then pay attention for what bubbles up. Spontaneous thoughts, pictures, 
scriptures, impressions, feelings. When these things come, they will come as though you didn't find them. They will come, they will just, all of a sudden, so for example, I'm praying, and out of nowhere, Psalm 34, verse 5, drops into my mind. Or Psalm 23, verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. So maybe I've been praying for somebody, asking how to pray. Well, I can tell you the difference between when I go looking for that scripture on my own versus when the scripture drops into my heart. You know that difference? Okay. So when we're listening for God's voice, and remember next week we'll talk about principles of discernment, but when we're listening for God's voice, we're listening for things that come that that we didn't chase after. We didn't sort of make happen or make ourselves think. It just takes a little bit of experimenting with this. And so if you're really new, you might just want to ask the Lord. You want, to, you want it to feel real safe? Just ask him for scriptures to drop into your mind. But he'll give, he'll give feelings. He'll give emotions. Sometimes you'll ask yourself how to pray for a person and you'll get really strong emotions and you'll be able to discern those aren't mine. I think the Lord's speaking to me about what the person is experiencing or about how I'm to pray. Okay? So quiet, ask. Make sure that you stay in a place of peace. Pay attention for what bubbles up and it'll be spontaneous. It'll be unforced. Something that you didn't try for but that just came. Four more quick tips for hearing, receiving God's guidance. One, go beyond your depth of comfortability. Serve the Lord in a way that makes you feel like, I'm not competent. If you think you're competent, you don't need guidance and help. If you think you can do it with the best of what you've got, you do not need the Lord to guide you. You're just... There's nothing wrong with using our gifts to try to glorify God as much as we can with Him. But if you're always comfortable, you will not turn to the Lord. So put yourself in a situation where you've got to exert faith, where you need to hear from the Lord. You need to receive His guidance. Number two, educate yourself. Learn about the ways, the various ways that God speaks. So I named a few of them briefly now. They're not even remotely close to all of them. In our culture, we are so unfamiliar, our Western Christian culture, we're so unfamiliar with how the Lord speaks through dreams. And since Pastor Gene and I preached a series on hearing God's voice about four and a half years ago, in which we preached on dreams, and for which I read several books, I've noticed the Lord speaking to me through dreams more, and I've been more able to pay attention, spend time journaling them, and then receiving guidance from Him. We've got to educate ourselves on what are the ways God speaks. Nobody's going to educate us for us. I'm not going to do it in um, Sunday sermons. This is something that we can do outside of. We take ownership of our own journey of wanting to grow to maturity in Christ. 
and to grow in being able to hear and discern the voice of the Spirit. And we say, God, I want to learn what are the ways you speak. And I want to learn about those ways because there have been people who've gone before me who have learned and who've written and who've shared. So if you want references for good books, you can ask me, ask Stephanie, and um, we'll be glad to give them to you. Third thing is learn to ask God questions. Um, I was horrible at this because I learned to pray by speaking to God. I did not learn to ask questions of God. I didn't even know what questions to ask. I knew I had a lot of needs but didn't know what questions. Just experiment with and God, I'm really not feeling peace about such and such. Might you reveal to me why? Would you reveal to me why? God, I have a decision to make about. Is there anything you'd like me to hear or to know or consider? God, as I pray for so-and-so, what is your heart for them? Is there anything that you'd like me to know about how to pray for them? How are you praying for them? Bible says that Jesus ever lives to intercede, right? How are you praying for so-and-so? Learn to ask questions and wait upon the Lord. And then the last thing is feed your faith. Feed your faith in God's speaking, guiding, and um, working through people as they obey his guidance. How are you going to do that? Well, testimony time is good, but beyond testimony time, there are books and books and books and books of stories and testimonies online if you don't like reading books. Again, ask Stephanie, putting her on the spot. But, but really, what we feed grows. So if you believe God is, wants to guide me the same way he guided Jesus, that will dramatically impact the way you live your day-to-day life. But most of us don't grow up believing that. We have to grow to believe that. Right? So let me just um, share, let me end on one story that demonstrates the fruit of this. And that was prayer walking last week. Beautiful story. Caroline and Nick were partnered together. And they asked the Lord, Lord, is there anywhere particular that you would have us to go? And Nick saw a picture of a place on GVSU's campus. And so they headed over to... Grand Valley's campus, not knowing who the Lord might have them interact with. They get to the campus, and uh, another picture comes, and that's a picture of the coffee shop. So they wander into the coffee shop. And who's in the coffee shop but a 40-something-ish-year-old sociology professor from GVSU. And so they wander over, and they engage him in conversation. And really soon, he shares with them that he's not originally from the United States, but he moved here from Canada and that he recently became a Muslim because he's searching for truth. And they ask, can they share with him? Yes. And they begin to share with him the gospel. And as they share the gospel, Nick gets another picture. What was the picture? It was mountain climbing, wasn't it? Mountain climber. And you started to engage the, the man. Has you, have you ever mountain climbed? And um, you asked him, you know what the difference is between the Christian faith and all the other faiths? What? 
Well, all the other faiths, people try to get up to God and reach Him. But in the Christian faith, God comes to us in Jesus. And they share the gospel. And then He stops and He says to them, You're not searching anymore, are you? And they say, No. (laughs) And they have this beautiful opportunity to pray with Him. Could They say, Could we pray? Yes. And they pray with Him. And they have a big hug together with a complete stranger at the end of this interaction. Could you believe that? Now, it takes faith to get to a place where you think God will guide me and lead me to talk to a sociology professor on a university campus, share the gospel with him, and within 15 minutes or half an hour, I'm praying for him and we're hugging. Like, that's kind of wild. But it's also incredibly fruitful. And I know from having watched these two, that neither of them would have done this five years ago. But because they've grown, they've positioned themselves to grow in hearing and taking steps of obedient faith, God's working through them. To to those who have, he's giving more. And so I want to close by praying that we would be those who seek the Lord and position ourselves to hear from him. Let's pray. Lord, we get so intimidated by this, but it's all about your love. You love the world. You love us. You love people. And you want to direct us toward people and toward situations that need you, that need your grace, your light, your love, your kindness, your salvation, and your healing. And so, Lord, we again say, like last week, we do not want to be motivated or moved by fear. We want to be filled with faith. And we want to position ourselves to grow in hearing from you. And so, Lord, would you help us along on that journey? Just like you helped your disciples week after week, month after month, as they followed you, you kept drawing them along. And so, Lord, we thank you that you draw us along. We pray now for that you would open up new springs in front of us, new, new wells of water, new fruitfulness in being able to become sensitive to hearing your voice, receiving your guidance, and then stepping out in faith to see you move through us. We love you, Lord, and we pray these things in your name. Amen.